Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to UFC middleweight Eric Anders. He's coming off the devastating first round knockout over Rafael Natal in his UFC debut. And I can't wait for you guys to hear who he wants next. And then we're joined by one of the most exciting fighters on the Bellator roster. I'm talking about Fernando Gonzalez. This is a guy that went toe-to-toe with Paul Daly. MVP, a guy that makes everyone look like a fool ran scared of Fernando Gonzalez and now he's got the chance to go out there against Brendan Ward you know for a fact these two are gonna go toe-to-toe it's gonna be a slugfest so you know we had to catch up with Fernando and last but not least the newest addition of the UFC roster Alex Perez this is a kid that paid his dues before he made it to the UFC he went 16 and 4 on the regional scene then he got the call for Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. He goes out there. He passes his test in flying colors, winning by Anaconda Choke. And he got the contract. But first up, Eric Anders. Here we go. Joining me now is your boy, Eric Anders. Eric, what's going on, man? Hey, brother. How's it going? It's going amazing. Uh, how's everything going for you? Man, I can't complain, man. Uh, picked up a win uh, inside the UFC. Just got back from vacation last week. So, man, everything's... Uh, Going according to plan. I mean, dude, there's no more top prospect Eric Anders. There's no more, you know, we got to look at this guy in the UFC. Now, you just went in there against a guy that went the distance with the champ Robert Whitaker. You finished him right away. I mean, was that what you expected? Every time I go get in there, I expect a finish, you know. Uh, Expect to get a victory and get a finish. Um, Yeah, you know, his last fight was, uh, I guess it was Tim Bosch. and just watching film and stuff, saw some holes in his game. We were able to pick up, pick up on. Uh, you know, the fight before this uh, against Brendan Allen, uh, I kind of uh, smothered myself, if you will. You know, I dropped Brendan Allen and then jumped right on top of Brendan, and you know, took a lot of power off my punches when you're in close like that. Uh, but with, with Natal, you know, I kind of learned my lesson from uh, from Brendan Allen. Uh, once I got him rocked, instead of jumping in and getting close. I uh, kept him at an arm's distance and kept him at the end of my punches where all the power is at. And, um, you know, you see the end result of such. And speaking of keeping him at the end of your punches, so there was that one moment where you kind of chased him across the octagon. Now, <laughs> you did that beautifully, you know, throwing uh, the straights there. Now, let me ask you, you know, in the future when you do that, are you thinking ever, man, maybe I could do a, a flying knee there? Uh, yeah, you know, I kind of try to throw one um, the first time he stumbled across the mat. But I misgaged the uh, the distance, and uh, you know I had to turn it into a kick, and end up putting my shin across his nose. And that that'll work, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. I think <laughs> how I get it. So there was also a moment when you were on top of him. And I'm not talking about the finishing sequence. I'm talking about the first time you heard him, and. I'm not entirely sure if he was, you know, out of it and he was just going on his jujitsu instincts, but he was kind of trying to sneak out the back door, maybe trying to do a little sweep. I know you, you know what I'm talking about. When you yeah. were on top of him, were you like, man, this guy is a little squirmy, a little sneaky, or were you just like, he's hurt, I'm going to finish him? Uh, like I said, I'm always looking for the finish. You know, whenever I was on top of him, uh, I was very surprised at uh, the lack of strength there. Like, he, he didn't feel like much when I was on top, so... Uh, our game plan, of course, was to keep it on the feet and, uh, you know, go for the finish. But when he was on the ground and I was on top, uh, man, there's very little resistance. 
And, uh, you know, I just try to stay on top, stay in a good position where I could land some punches. And, uh, you know, he was able to get up. Um, you know, he's a black belt, well accomplished. So I'm sure being on his back was like second nature to him anyway. So, um, you know, able to, to land a knee to the chest there on the way up. And then uh, shortly thereafter, that gets the finish. Definitely. Now, I know you're a very competitive guy, very mentally strong, so this probably had zero effect on you, but I have to ask you anyways, you know, because he does live in New York, he does teach in New York, he's got his jiu-jitsu academy there. Was it at all, you know, kind of weird that, you know, most of the people there were rooting for him? Man, not at all. And to be honest with you, uh, out of all the fights I've had, amateur and pro, uh, that was probably the, uh, the calmest, most focused and uh, the most mental clarity I've had uh, out of all my fights for that particular uh, occasion. And I truly believe that the more pressure, uh, the more hostile the environment, the better I perform. So, you know, I'm looking to go to, uh, you know, I'm looking to fight two more times in the, uh, before the year finishes out. And, uh, man, we'll see what happens. Man, I'm looking to go 3-0 and before the end of the year in the UFC. So, I mean, you've had quick turnarounds in the past, but one doesn't simply do, you know, a five-round championship fight and then go fight a month later, but that's exactly what you did. I mean, were you banged up at all? I mean, we couldn't tell. Um, my, my, uh, my left hand was a little injured. Um, you know, that's the second fight the UFC had offered me, to be honest with you. Uh, like a week after my fight, they offered me Trevin Giles with me. I just, man, there's no, my hand was swollen and puffy and stuff, so there's no way I could do that then. You know, a few weeks later, uh, they came with like a 10-day notice against uh, Natal. I mean, you can't say no twice to the guys. And yeah. I've been icing my hand, training, slush bucketing, and uh, even doing cryotherapy on my hand. And, you know, it just felt so much better. And, you know, like I said, you can't say no twice. So if we got to get in there at, you know, 60%, 70%, then, you know, that's just what we'll do. But, you know, like I said, I, I don't think I've ever felt better uh, mentally, physically, uh, or emotionally uh, than I had before that Nuts Hall fight. Dude, is it a blessing in disguise that you turned down that Trevin Giles fight? And the reason I ask is because, look, we both know Trevin Giles is a super tough guy. That's not the point, though. The point is, if you fought him, that'd be the first fight on Fight Pass, no one there. But Natal, that's a guy everyone knows, and you got to compete on Fox. Well, I think that the, you know, the, the biggest plus side of fighting Natal over... Giles is that now you have two guys in the middle in the aging middleweight division that are coming up to Natal was like ranked number 25 in the division in the world so um, you know going out there and getting a victory uh, certainly looks more impressive than a win over uh, Trevin Giles and there's no doubt in my mind that we'll both meet later on down the road uh, but you know you know, he's a, he's a great fighter who's only getting better. I think he's only like 24, 25 years old. So he's definitely got a lot of plus side, too. So, man, I'm looking at the top 15 in the UFC middleweight division. I, I don't see the name Eric Anders there. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> but it's going to come soon. But, man, there's some guys that, you know, are coming off wins that I, I want to know your opinion on, man. Because I just saw smiling Sam Alvey fight Rashad Evans, and Sam Alvey, he's got a lot of wins in the UFC. He's got a name. What do you think about a potential matchup with him? Yeah, I'd love to fight Sam Alvey. Not a problem. I'd love to uh, chip that smile up a little bit that he's got and uh, go out there and knock him out too. And then there's another guy I saw, and his name's Elias Theodoro. He also has a lot of wins in the UFC. He actually has a win over uh, Smiling Sam, over Cesar Mutanch. What, what do you think about a fight with that guy? 
Man, I, 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 sent, I sent out a tweet yesterday wanting to fight him. I want to fight him in New York, uh, in Madison Square Garden uh, in November. Uh, I'd like to fight Jack Marshman uh, in Philly, uh, October 16th, I believe it is, uh, or September 16th, and then uh, turn around and fight again in November. Uh, but, you know, I think they're going to Toronto uh, in December, so uh, if Elias doesn't respond to fighting in uh what do you call it? Uh, in Madison Square Garden, maybe I go 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 across the border there and uh, beat him up in Toronto. What excites you more? Because when you talk about a guy like Marshman, you know we're looking at a guy that comes to brawl every single yeah. time. He's a real fighter. And then with Elias, you know I'm not going to sit here and say someone that steps inside the octagon is not a real fighter. I would never disrespect a man like that. But you know he he tries to in a sense avoid the fight and still win. If you know what I mean. Yeah, whatever, you know, he's got his tactics, he's got his style, he's got his, uh, you know, whatever, whatever's been working for him. I think he's uh, 23 or, you know, in that 23-20 range uh, in the world, so, you know, a win over him would definitely put me up there with those guys, and uh, I I think I knock him out too, Uh, and if I don't knock him out, then I TKO him on the ground, so um, the Marshman fight really excites me, because those kind of fights are exciting to watch and be a part of. To get in there and uh, slug it out, you know he's more of a brawler. I think I'm more of a of a boxer, uh, if you will. So, and I definitely think that that matchup also favors myself as well. But you know, I'd like to fight both those guys. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, we know the deal with Marshman. He comes to fight every time. But if you were to fight Elias, I mean, do you have a specific game plan of how to deal with someone that's going to try to push you up against the fence for 15 straight minutes? Um, man, I'm cool uh, in any aspect of the uh, fight. You know, where I'm on the feet, on my back, my back against the cage, their back against the cage. You know, I'm capable of winning the fight anywhere inside the inside the octagon there. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll be his game plan to, to kind of get my leg pregnant there and whatever. I'll, I, you know, I'll, I'll come with my pregnancy test and uh, in my left hand, and we'll see who walks out of there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of Elias' opponents have to take plan B the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Matt, we've talked... We talked about this in the past, you know, and it's funny because so Mayweather's fighting McGregor, right? And, you know, before I saw that footage of um, McGregor and Pauly, you know, I was saying stuff like, oh, McGregor couldn't even touch an amateur boxer, this and that. Now, I know Pauly's a guy that, you know, he's completely on his way out. He's been knocked out a million times, this and that. I was still impressed to see Conor beat the shit out of a guy like that because I didn't think that he would do that. It Not saying it changes my opinion for the Mayweather fight because it doesn't, but what does it do for your opinion seeing him do that against a legitimate boxer? Man, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me personally. One, because I know I've seen like sparring uh, get out of hand before. Like we're just touching, touching, touching. Like I don't know what kind of rules they had in place. You know, we'll go 50%, 70%. If they were going 100%, they'd agree to that or not. But I've seen guys like, you know, go a little bit faster than they said they were going to do, uh, excuse me, say they were going to go and, and do that to guys before. Uh, so I don't know the entire situation. Um, still not too impressed with, uh, you know, Connor's uh, technical work, you know, his mechanics and stuff. Um, I, I, Polly Floyd, Polly Floyd, Polly Floyd. Now, there's a lot of years of difference between those two, so. Uh, I think the same thing, though. If, if Connor touches Floyd with his left hand, especially now they're talking about eight-ounce gloves, a uh, very short fight for Floyd. And, uh, you know, he'll leave out of there with the loss on his record. That would be amazing. 
But I mean, you know, obviously, my money's on Connor. Don't get it twisted. My money's on Connor. Oh yeah, I, I, oh yeah. I, I would love a come up. I would love a come up. So, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't think it like ruins the sport of boxing or you know taints Floyd's record. I mean, of course it does, but at the same time, man, that guy's forty years old fighting a twenty-seven-year-old uh, who's got who's much bigger and stronger than he is, and you know he accepted the fight. He start, start, signed on the dotted line and all, but you know whatever. Uh, let's see what Connor can do to you know Canelo or you know somebody like that. Canelo's a pretty big guy too. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want any of that. You know, I just this matchup specifically is interesting for a reason because you know sure. Can- Canelo's a power puncher. I kind of don't want Connor in there with real boxers. Not you know Floyd's the best of all time, but the styles was interesting about it. You know, at the same time though, he gets in there with Canelo, who doesn't move and isn't as swift as Floyd is. Man, Canelo runs a chance of getting his ass knocked out too. Floyd's got Good a hell point. of a left. I mean, uh, excuse me, Connor's got you know a hell of a left hand. You've seen that time after time. Um, you know, certainly a big difference between MMA gloves and boxing gloves, but, you know, uh, eight-ounce gloves, that's not much, man. Very true, very true. Well, Eric, man, thanks again for the time, as always, on Half the Battle, man. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, any message for the fans? Anything you want to tell them before we get out of here? Man, you know, I'd, I'd love for people to, uh, you know, start getting the word out about the uh, Elias Theodoro fight in Madison Square Garden. I think that the Madison Square Garden Arena is one of the most prestigious arenas in America, uh, if not the world. So, you know, to get a fight there, go out there and knock out a top 20 guy, you know, it'd be awesome. So, um, that'd be great. Uh, you know, social media is also a big thing and, and, you know, getting matchups going and whatnot. So, uh, man, if that could happen, uh, that's the fight I'm really looking for. Marshman's, uh, Marshman's a, uh, a bonus, but the, uh, Theodora fight's the one I really want. Yeah, definitely. So for all the fans listening, make sure you follow Eric at Eric Anders and campaign for that Elias Theodoro versus Eric Anders fight at MSG, because it, it needs to happen. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, and if it doesn't, then I'll come to Toronto. I got a passport ready uh, and whatnot. Go across the border there, go north, and uh, beat them up in Toronto. It doesn't really matter. I just, you know, Madison Square Garden is pretty badass, and you know, that's where I want the next fight to be. Yes, sir. You got to do it at least one time. And the reason I say one time is because... They tax like a bitch over there, so just do it now early in your career. My already fought in New York. My last fight was in Oh, New yeah. York. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's whatever. You already know. You already know that. Yeah. yeah. For sure, I already for know, sure. Uh, New York busting heads. So. <laughs> uh, man, it's all good, though, man. You know, the money will come in the, in the tail end of my career anyway. So um, I just want to go out there and knock out Theodoro in uh, Madison Square Garden. It's pretty badass. Well, that's what we want to see, Eric. Thanks so much for the time, as always, man, and congrats on the success, man. I appreciate it, bro. I look forward to talking to you again. Joining me now is the Menifee Maniac, Fernando Gonzalez. Fernando, welcome back to Half the Battle. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So how's it going, man? You're coming off the big win, but you're already back in fight camp getting ready for another one. How are things going? Uh, man, everything's going great, man. I just uh, Honestly, I prefer that. I'd love to stay busy and... Uh, you're going to get less ring rust, and you're going to get a better performance out of me. So I, I I prefer to fight regularly. Well, we got a lot to talk about, man, because, look, obviously you just whooped on Brandon Gertz. You're fighting Brendan Ward. But before we talk about all that, what happened uh, with the Korshkov fight, man? I was really looking forward to that one. Um, about a, I think it was four weeks or something like that. He, he had broke his foot, uh. and then uh, – they contacted me, uh, it was one of the magazines, 
to let me know that he had a broken foot. So uh, I sent the article to uh, Bellator and I was like, yo, what's up with this? And then uh, that's how they ended up. Uh, oh, we just found out too. So uh, then they were just scrambling, trying to get me another opponent. And uh, Brandon Gertz was actually calling out Derek Anderson in that time. So he was preparing and uh, he's the one who took the fight, man. So, uh, you know, much respect to him. And I appreciate that he was able to let me uh, put food on the table. Is it at all ironic that you're fighting on the same card as Koroshkov? I, I was kind of surprised. I figured that we, we'd be matched up again when, as soon as he was ready. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I, I could see that it's, it's – it's, he's still got a good fight, but it's uh, less of a well-roundedness there. I think uh, it kind of favors him where they're both evenly strikers, but he has a little bit better ground game than Chitty. Uh, so – it's just going to make for a more exciting fight when we do fight because he'll be seasoned and I'll be seasoned. Now, obviously, you're coming off that win over Brandon Gertz. He's a super tough guy. Now, in, throughout your career, you're used to fighting guys way bigger than you. Was it kind of nice to fight a smaller guy for once? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. I, you know, but I, I, I knew with with uh, his advantage, one, he's a wrestler, so those guys are compact. So I knew he was still going to have a lot of power. And with speed comes power also. So that was just a, a different tool that that I knew he possessed that I was going to have to be cautious of. And he did catch me with some, but if you see it in the fight, I smiled at him and kind of let him know, like, hey, that's not enough. But, you know, so it was a good fight. And, and you know, there's, there's some things that played into it that made me fight the way that I did. Um, but, uh, yeah, I came out with the victory and, and – I'm, I'm happy with it. No, I mean, obviously the size difference was evident, the technique as well, but did you feel the speed of a 55er in there? Was it kind of interesting to see how fast that guy was? Uh, yeah, but the, the thing was, I knew it was going to happen, you know, so I was I was training with guys that were light, guys that could shoot in fast, get me down, but that's, that's my game, you know, I like to strike, and eventually I know they're going to try to get me to the ground. Uh, they just, they can't handle the volume, or they just can't handle the pressure, and, uh, you know, they eventually go to take me down. And I, I see that happening happening again in this fight. Uh, I'll be able to get my hands on him. And uh, he'll, be, he'll be looking to take me down at some point. So now it got matched up, you and Brennan Ward. And, I mean, for the hardcore fans, we don't even need to sit here and hype the fight up. But, but for people that might not know about you guys, I mean, how excited are you for this matchup? Because Brendan Ward's the kind of guy, he's never lost a decision. And the reason I bring that up is because he's kill or be killed, man. You know what I mean? It's going to be a real fight. Oh, for sure. These are the kind of fights I live for, you know. Uh, I like to go out there, show my heart, and be able to break my opponent down. So this, this is where I thrive the best at. When guys like this are going to come out to fight me and I prove that I'm more skilled and I, I'm just – a little bit more technical than they are and uh just lets me shine a little bit more so i know with his skills and the way the way that he fights and the way that i fight it's gonna be exciting and you know i get to showcase a little bit more of what i got now you're a fighter that's known for dragging people to deep waters and you drown them with brendan ward do you think it's going to be that situation or do you think you might catch him early based on how wild and aggressive he is I, you know, I, I never plan for anything. I honestly try to beat them up and, and break them down. That's my game. Um, one, just because I know that the second time, if we ever get matched up again, 
it's a bigger hurdle for them to to, to want to fight me again. Um, anytime you go out there and you get a quick knockout or a quick submission, I mean, obviously if it's there, I'm going to take it. But it's easy for them to say, "Oh, I got caught," you know. And, and when you break somebody down mentally and physically, and they actually want to quit in their head, you know, what I mean, they're never going to say that, but they know, they know they felt that that little break in their head, that little voice that says it's over, uh, chalk it up to the next one. It's a big hurdle for them to get over. And, uh, that's my style, man. I like getting them to that point and, and breaking them mentally. So they never want to get in there and fight me again, or, or it's a lot harder for them to ever do it again. Do you at all wish that some of your fights were five rounds? And the reason I ask is because, you know, these dudes start to slow down and you're still fighting at the same pace. It kind of reminds me of another Bellator fighter, uh, Emmanuel Sanchez, who I think is unbelievable. I do it. Honestly, if I could fight five round fights, I would love to because uh, I know for a fact I would have finished MVP. He was done with two more rounds. He, just, he doesn't have the gas tank for that. Um, and, and with that kind of style of guide, you have to be able to drag it into deep waters uh, to make sure that, you know, you're not rushing into something silly. Uh, you kind of have to let the fight evolve, make him have to fight you instead of just run at his punch, <laughs> which a lot of guys do. Um, so I, I stretched him out, and, and I know if I had two more rounds, he's done. I would have finished him. So eventually I think uh, Bellator is going to get to where title fights or the main events are going to be five-round fights. And that's really where I want to be at so I can start breaking these guys down completely and, and show a, a well-mixed uh, martial arts game. Once you start seeing the full evolution of, of when you beat somebody down and when you break them, that fourth and fifth round is really important for me. You, is that in the works? I mean, you think Bellator is going to actually do five-round main events? Eventually they will. It, it's just the, the problem with it is they're basically how UFC used to be. Um, you would get guys that, that get in, into title contention, but all they ever did was uh, three-round fights. And then they always lose. You know, fourth and fifth round is, it's honestly, I've, I said it before, it's like hitting a brick wall. If you've never done a fourth and fifth round, it's, it's man, it's a whole nother ballgame when you do that. You know, it breaks you mentally. You do hear that little voice that's telling you this should have been done now. Um, so you've got to learn how to, deal with that or see it before you actually get a title shot so eventually i think they're gonna have to do it so they have better fights um otherwise the guys are going to continue to get broken in that fourth and fifth with a champion that's already seen that so earlier you brought up the mvp fight look we all know you won the third round of that fight the first two rounds are what's in question i mean tell me about what it was like in there with him i mean was it simply a matter of you know he's running away were you waiting for something specifically just t tell me about you know the man that was actually inside the cage well the, the thing was it was a mix um they knew that they drew me out nine months so my timing could be a little bit off um it was i threw like my first couple kicks and i was a little off so i had to circle and stay on the cage more and uh woodley woodley had just bought thompson similar styles where I knew that if I put myself in the cage, I'm in danger. But at the same time, he had to come after me to, to, to beat me. So that puts me in the position to counter him instead of him being the counter puncher. Um, so I did that. I, I kept my distance, but kept it right at the end of his punch where he had to actually fight. He didn't. You know? So he was basically dancing the first round. And if you actually really count the points, the actual stuff that landed, I was outlanding him. He was throwing jabs, but everything was blocked. 
a lot of the stuff that he threw was blocked, and I, I blocked it. It was more the the announcing, you know, like the outside guy watching the fight. They're hearing what they're saying and how they would fight. Oh, you need, he needs to get in there. He needs to get him down. It's how they would fight the fight. A lot of it's because they're not strikers. You're talking about two commentators that are ground guys. They're not strikers, so they really don't know how to fight somebody with reach. And I do. That's that's my game. I like to strike, and I knew how to fight him at a distance. Plus, it was him to have to throw. He's so used to everybody running at him, he doesn't have to throw that much. So I kept I kept him long, so he, he had to actually start throwing punches. By the second round, he started slowing down, and I started putting the pressure on him. Third round, he was completely running from me. So I knew it was going to have to be like draw him out a little bit, get him tired, get him working, and I'd be able to implement my game plan in. The referee stops you in the middle of the round, tells you you need to fight instead of running. Uh, yeah, I let you know what's going on. You know, he didn't want to fight me in that third. He said his uh, his rhythm was off or whatever. I can't remember what it, exactly what it was. It's like, dude, you had two rounds to get it done, to get your warming up in, and by the third, you were you were running. And uh, I know I know if we fight again, it's gonna be a lot harder for him to want to say yes to take another fight with me than me to take the fight with him. I mean, in a way, I view it as a win for you because when dudes fight MVP, they're scared before the fight even begins. You know, he makes them look like complete fools. When you were in there with him, was it at all like, oh, that's it? No, he's, he is dangerous. You know, I mean, he's a dangerous fighter. So I, I gave him the respect that he deserves. And his personal stuff that he does, I, I don't see eye to eye with him on some of this stuff, but I always respect him as a fighter. I knew that the Russian uh, rushed in on him, then he has, that's where his biggest strengths are. You know, he's got that lunge punch and he's fast. So if I just rush in like a, like an idiot, he's going to catch me first. And he's just got the reach, you know. So one of the ways that I can describe it is when you're fighting somebody that's all, it's basically if you're running somebody at, at you're running at somebody that has a spear, you're not going to run directly at the spear. He's going to land before you can touch him. Got to make sure that distance, make him panic, make him throw that spear, avoid it, and then you can get in. You know what I mean? He, he's longer. So I had to make sure that he's throwing first before I just rushed in there. And that's kind of what happened. And I a lot longer than my arm, so I threw a lot more leg kicks. Uh, high kicks also to kind of take away that lunge punch that he normally does. And, yes, yeah, slowly but surely it started breaking him down and, and he started to panic. By that third round, he was afraid. And he didn't want to fight me anymore. Yeah, it was pretty apparent, man. Now, the champion in your weight class, Douglas Lima, this dude's a complete badass. And he's taking on Rory McDonald. In your eyes, I mean, do you have an opinion, a prediction? How do you think that fight's going to go down? And Lima's a great fight, but I see it being very similar to when he fought, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, what's that? Gorshkov, Askren. No, Askren. Sorry, Ben Askren. When he fought Askren, he kept getting taken down, overwhelmed on the on bottom. Um, he's got a plan for that because that, that's what what, what uh, McDonald's going to do. McDonald showed in his, in his last fight, he could have easily banged it out with, uh, with Daly, but he knew where his advantages were, and that's on the ground. He didn't throw but one punch maybe and then shot in, got, got him to the ground. Uh, I think he's still worried about getting cracked on his nose. You know, that panic's still a little there. So that's that's going to be Douglas's uh, 
or any of us that fight McDonald, it's going to be our advantage. We've got to put that hesitation in his head, kind of put him back in that mindset that we're going to, we're going to smash your face in if, if, if we get the opportunity. And that'll start to put the little doubt in his mind where he can lose. But you have to be well-rounded on the ground to be able to scramble, get back to your feet. And I think that's that's how Lima gets it done. He's got to be able to get back up. If he doesn't, he loses the fight. So look, man, you and Brennan Ward, now on paper, everyone's saying that you two are going to stand and bang until one guy falls. However, there have been times when Brennan Ward's been known to sneak in takedowns here and there, and sometimes he doesn't come out to bang. Sometimes he comes to grind people out. Are you ready for him to try to catch you with that element of surprise? That's all I've been training for, man. I, I Like I said before, it's going to be very similar to Brandon Gertz fight, uh, just with more power. He, he'll throw and he'll bang, but eventually he starts to wear out and he will go to take you down. So I'm, I'm expecting an MMA fight. It's not just going to be only stand-up. Um, he'll eventually shoot and, and try to get it to the ground. You know, But that's that's the game, man. If, if you have MMA, then you got to be ready to see all of that. The way he throws... Even if it goes to the ground, it's going to be an exciting fight. So um, I don't see him trying to lay and pray on me. I see him, if he gets a takedown, he's going to look to throw elbows, punches, and, and try to knock me out on bottom. So I'm planning for all that. Uh, obviously, I'm from Team Quest and one of the best ground ground schools in, in, in the world. <laughs> so it's not like I have a lack of guys that, that can do that in here and kind of give me that, that uh, experience <laughs> before the fight. And, you know, I feel I'm ready to go. I'm three weeks out, and I, I got three or more weeks to improve. But I know with where I'm at right now, I could beat him. Now, obviously, you're not looking past your opponent at all. But I know you're a guy that visualizes. And, you know, when you visualize your career, man, how far away are you from that title shot? You know, that's, that's good. I, honestly, I, for me, I'm just trying to get as many top, top guys out of the way. And once they're all gone, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. They're all going to be gone, and eventually I'll get my shot. You know, I think right now the way things are going, it's you can put on the best performance. So if me and Brandon go out there and put on a good show, and I get my hand raised by giving a good show, um, I could easily get my title shot next, you know, after McDonald's. So ain't nothing right now in Bellator. It's who can put on the best performance, who's going to sell that crowd, and, and get guys to watch our program, watch our fights. So that's kind of what I'm planning for. I'm, I'm getting here every single day right now. I've been able to train full time. So I know, I know physically and what I have, I'm going to give a good ass show and they're, they're going to want me to fight for the top soon. Definitely. Now let me ask you your opinion on this fight because in the featherweight division, you got the former champion, Daniel Strauss, and he's taking on Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez. And I think it's such an incredible fight. Who do you give the edge to in that one, man? You know, like I said, all, all the top guys were all capable of beating each other in, in any weight class, the UFC or Bellator. All the guys that are at top 10, they're there for a reason. So I think the biggest thing that's going to play a factor in this is the layoffs. You know, if Emmanuel is a little bit, I think, more seasoned, he just fought in the Illinois fight. I haven't seen uh, Strauss fight in a while, so he's going to be off a little bit. Um for him to kind of get settled back into the in the cage, but at the same time, I know he. This guy's never seen a fourth and fifth round. If I drag him into deep water, I can I can beat him. 
So I think Emmanuel has to get it done within those first three rounds before he hits that fifth round because um, even if you train for it, it's a lot different A lot different once you're actually going. You're holding your breath more. Uh, you're a lot more tired. And, and then you're used to three rounds, you know, that fourth and fifth round if you're not used to it. So I, I see this being a matter of who gets it done first. If Emmanuel gets it done the first three rounds, he wins. If uh, Strauss gets into that fourth and fifth, I think he'll take over. Yes, sir. Well, your fight, I believe, is going on August 25th. You and Brendan Ward. If it were up to you, how would this fight go down, man? When I do catch him, I'll be able to get the finish. Um, if, it, if it happens to go to the ground, and we're gonna, you're going to see a, a very similar fight to Brendan Gertz. Um, back up and continuously breaking him down until I get my finish. But... Uh, I honestly think I'll, I'll catch him just because of how aggressive he really is. And that's what I'm planning for. I'm planning on catching him, and when I do hurt him, I'm going to go to finish. Well, Fernando, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's always a pleasure, man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and any message for the fans. Go ahead. Uh, guys, don't miss this fight. August 20th, man, it's going to be a banger. And um, I just want to thank all my sponsors and, and – my, my friends that get me ready for this fight over here at Team Quest. So uh, 2XL Inc., R&R, as far as the plastering, um, Rock Solid Nutrition, uh, Dr. Toy Chiropractic, Scott Fresh, uh, uh, Precision Tune, uh, sorry, Precision Tune Auto Care. Sorry, it's my <laughs> sticker here. Um, and then uh, Isaias Alvarado, my main cornerman, uh, Tom Galicchio. And my brother, Tristan Hernandez. The guys that have been helping me in here also, uh, Ricardo Benoit, uh, Curtis, uh, a lot of the guys that, that are, I'm bad with names, so a lot of the guys that are shooting in on me constantly. Uh, so, and thank you guys, and I appreciate it, and we're going to go out there and get that hand raised on uh, August 25th. Fernando, thanks again for the time, man, and best of luck in the fight. Anytime, uh, anytime you guys need me, I'm here for you guys. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, brother. Joining me now is the newest member of the UFC roster. I'm talking about Alex Perez. Alex, welcome to Half the Battle. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, the pleasure is all mine. So, I mean, dude, not only did you get an unbelievable finish, but you got the contract, which was, you know, the end goal. How does it feel that everything worked out the way it did? Uh, feels good, you know, uh, working my butt off to get to get here and... Uh... Now that I'm here, I'm just hoping, you know, make a good run at it. You know, when you say you worked your butt off to get here, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what you mean because, you know, every fighter works hard, right? But you're a guy that had to go, I believe, 16-4 and four before you got your shot. So you had 20 pro fights. You had to get all that experience, and then you got your opportunity, and you capitalized. So I, I assume you feel like all that experience helped in the biggest moment. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I've had a lot of fights, uh, had a couple up and down, you know, back-to-back -back losses and stuff, and, uh, you know, it was, it was hard at first, you know, I thought it was going to take a long time to get here, but, hey, I'm glad I went this way, uh, some people, you know, get handed the opportunity and don't take advantage, I feel like I worked my way to there, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to make the most of it. 
Definitely. And I mean, when you take two back-to-back -back losses, you know, for a lot of fighters, you know, it could make or break them. You know, they might not ever come back the same for you. You put your head down, you grind it. Now you're in the UFC. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I lost twice early in my career and then came back one ten in a row. You know, then ended up losing my title and then I lost another uh, another one. And, uh, you know, some people thought, you know, oh, is he going to come back? But, you know, my coach, uh, Coach Oyama, just, you know, pushed me told me, you know, stay grinding, like, uh, we'll, we'll fix this, uh, you know, and we'll be in the big show soon. How long have you been with Coach Oyama? Uh, I've been there for five years. Uh, so I originally started training in, in Limor, California with Tima Choa. Uh, and, uh, you know, at one point in time, it was just me and my coach. I didn't have really, you know, training partners. And uh, they offered me, uh, Ian, was, Ian McCall was fighting somebody, like, hey, you know, you have a fight coming up, he has a fight coming up, it would be cool if you guys train together. I went down there, stayed with Ian at his place, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Uh, coach invited me to keep coming back. You know, they, I think I trained out there for like two weeks, three weeks uh, for one of my fights. I ended up winning, and Coach was like, hey, man, you're tough, just keep coming back. And uh, from there on, I would just travel back and forth, actually. I would come down here, work at a freight company. You know, 14-hour shifts and still have one workout a day. And then uh, and then finally I made the move down there full-time. You know, I need to take my career to the next level and move down there full-time. Man, what's in the water over there? Because, you know, Timo Yama is on a serious roll, man. I mean, I can name the whole the whole team. But, you know, especially guys like you, Marlon Chito Vera, Humberto Bandanai. I mean, where, where do I finish? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, we just got a lot of tough guys, and we're all working towards the same goal, so it's easy to come in and grind every day. Like uh, some gyms have that easy, that one guy they can go easy on, and they know even our guys underneath us, uh, you know, they, they push us. Uh, that's one good thing about our gym, that we have endless partners, and no matter what, you're going to get worked. It doesn't matter if you are if you never heard of the guy, if you're an amateur or a pro. Like uh, I've seen some pros take, take lumps from some amateurs. You know, I've seen – you know, some of our sparring sessions, you know, the only way to explain it, you would have to be there. There are no words to explain it. You would have to be in there. You know, you got uh, Chito Vera, then you got uh, Humberto Bannon, and then you got Diego Rivas, you got Joe Soto, Brent Primus, Alex Reyes, uh, Fernando Padilla, and then you got, you know, Desmond Torres, and you got the amateurs in there as well. Like, uh, just a hardworking group, you know. Man, I mean, can we expect a lot of future UFC champions? Because, I mean, I know we already mentioned uh, Marlon Chito, but, I mean, the improvements he's made since he joined Team Oyama. I mean, it's something that you can't really measure on paper because, you know, I've known about this kid a long time back when he was training in Ecuador, and now to see the improvements he's made, it's, uh, it's impressive as hell, to say the least. No, yeah, man, uh, that's what happens when, you you know, got a good work ethic. Basically, our motto at the gym is, hey, shut up and work, uh, you know, you complain, just, you know, you complain or something, every, someone will get on you. You know, like everybody from, you know, the former champion, Carlos Barza, to our amateurs. No one complains. Everybody does what they're told. And everybody just grinds together. So that it makes it so much easier when everybody's on the same path. Now, where, where's your family from? What's your background? Uh, I'm I'm from uh, Limore, California. You know, uh, people might know... Uh, Chad Mendes, uh, he's actually from the town over, about like five, ten minutes away from me. Um, I'm from, you know, it's a small little country town. It's starting to get bigger now, you know, but we only have one high school. Uh, you know, I'm from, I'm from Central California, man, the desert in California. Yes, sir. What I'm trying to ask is, uh, so are you Mexican American or, or what? 
Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, my dad's, my dad's from Mexico and then my mom's from here, so. Yeah, the place I was getting to with that is, uh, man, talk about that, that Mexican pride because y'all are some serious warriors. Uh, man, I think it shows in our, you know, some of our fights. Sometimes we don't fight the smartest. Uh, you know, we get hit and we're like, okay, you hit me, I'm going to hit you four or five times, you know. Uh, I've learned, you know, throughout the years, probably not the best way to go, you know, but, man, you know, it, it means a lot to represent, you know, that Mexican culture. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I mean, listen, I brought up your experience earlier, and now that you are in, you know, one of the best divisions in the UFC, and the reason I say that is because everyone is so high level and so skilled at flyweight. Like, let's not even talk about Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Let's talk about a guy like Sergio Pettis, Ray Borg, all these guys. They're so skilled. Where do you feel like you stack up with the top 15? I think, you know, I think... I stack up pretty good, man. Like I said, I have a lot of experience under my belt. You know, I might not be in the biggest shows, but, like, I mean, fighting at Tachi Palace, you know, holding their belt, it's a big experience. Uh, fighting up for RFA, you know, fighting for CFFC, you know, shows like that. I, You know, I've been through the grind. Uh, I think I match up decent, you know, with uh, anybody. I've been training for a long time. There's no uh, – in this sport, you can't duck anybody, you know. Uh, I'm eventually going to have to fight all of them. To me, it doesn't matter where I start. Uh, just you know, I got my. I already set one of my big goals. Uh, you know, was to make it to UFC. Now I got smaller goals to accomplish. You know, and uh, eventually I'm gonna you know end up with a title eventually. Now, is there a date or a possible opponent for your UFC debut? Uh, no, they haven't said anything. Uh, you know, with the new USADA stuff. Uh, you know, I have to go through all that stuff. You know, I'm thinking it might be a quick turnaround. I didn't you know get hurt in my fight, so. I'm thinking after I get tested, it might be a quick turnaround. Uh, for me, it doesn't matter. I stay uh, training uh, constantly. This is like the first time I've actually taken a, like a couple day break. You know, it took a week after my fight, took a week off, but tomorrow morning's back to work. Wait, so when you mentioned USADA, they didn't like drug test the guys for the contender series? No, they they did. It, it was uh, it, it, you were you were tested and stuff, but uh. I, now I have to get into the USADA program, so I have to fill out all their paperwork, all their whereabouts. Yeah, yeah, like okay. That. It takes some time. Okay, so it's a whole other process that you got to deal yeah, with. Yeah, it's a whole other process. Yeah, you get drug tested right there, and then uh, they call you into a room, doctors drop your pants, pee in this cup, and you're like, <laughs> oh, man, all right. So, man, tell me about how you know the final minutes were where you're in that back room with the five other winners, and you're about to find out your fate. Uh, man, I think I, you know, I was, I was pretty nervous, you know, but I was also confident, you know, at the lightweights, it's hard to get a finish, uh, you know, 25, 35, it's pretty hard to finish somebody, uh, everybody's tough, you know, and, uh, I was just sitting there waiting, I, I thought I had got a contract until I seen that flying knee, and I was like, oh man, you know, I might be, I might got, I might have got B, I was just hoping that maybe they give more than one contract out, but, you know, I was nervous when I got it. You know, I just felt like a big weight was slipped off my shoulders. Now, when you got that anaconda choke, what, did you know right then and there that's game, set, and match? Uh, yeah, I felt pretty confident once I, you know, uh, I think he was trying to clinch clinch with me. Um, and uh, I, I threw that knee, and I knew it was pretty rocked. So then I was like, oh, I'm just going to go for it. The worst-case scenario, I, I don't get it. But I was confident being off my back, you know, training under Ron Turner and Casey Hallstatt from 10th Planet. You know, um, I was confident off my back I can get up or sub them. So 
I wasn't too worried about the about the outcome. But once I got it in, I felt that he wasn't moving. I kind of knew he was uh, he was going out, but I didn't want to let go and have the guy wake back up right away. So I was like, I'm just gonna wait for the ref to pull me off. Oh yeah, I mean that you're following the rules. You didn't do anything wrong in my eyes, man. You know what I'm saying? Like even with uh, with Hendo and Bisbing. A lot of people didn't like that he threw that extra punch, but if the ref hasn't touched you yet, the fight's still on. Exactly. So, you know, obviously I mentioned the champion in your weight class is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Now, tell me about what you think about his upcoming opponent, Ray Borg. Do you think Ray Borg could be the guy to defeat him? Do you think maybe it's going to be someone like Sergio Pettis, or do those uh, guys man, not have a chance? It's hard, man. The, the, guy's, the guy's phenomenal everywhere. I mean, he's the pound for pound. You know, I think under John Jones, he's number two, but, man, the guy's technique is flawless. You know, he always comes ready to fight. The guy's just a monster. Uh, I think if, if Ray Borg's going to do anything, he's going to have to be in the first maybe two rounds, maybe if he clips him there. I don't I don't know how too many people that can keep up with Demetrius' pace. No, that's the truth, man. So, Alex, if you had to decide, man, I mean, who do you want for that UFC debut? Um, you know, I would uh, want like a John Moraga, something to test my feet, uh, you know, get in there. I would, I would want John Moraga. Um, and that's the only name I really that like, pops out to me. You know, one, because he fought my buddy uh, Yoli, uh, Ulysses Gomez when he first started. So I would want to get that one back for, you know, for him. But, you know, I think he's a good fight. He's a vet. He's been around. He's fought for the title. And I think we'll match up well. Oh, man. Y'all haven't forgotten. That was a long ass time ago. I don't forget, man. <laughs> well man we'll campaign for it you and john moraga it sounds like a hell of a fight alex thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here right now on half the battle it's been a pleasure man let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and any message for the fans go ahead hey thank you for having me man uh you can follow me on on uh, instagram and twitter at asp underscore underscore one two five uh follow my journey man it's only beginning you know it's been a long road but it's only beginning yes sir uh, you guys to see big things coming from me. Well, thanks again for the time, Alex, and best of luck in the next step, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. There you have it, folks. Eric Anders, Fernando Gonzalez, and Alex Perez. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Make sure you hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. And subscribe on YouTube as always. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.